MD Burns Nash is Atlanta's management consulting solution created specifically to meet the needs of a tech startup. MD Burns Nash aims to empower tech startup executives with the skill sets needed to propel their business on the path to success. For only $499, you can get started with an in-depth pitch deck evaluation to make sure you are putting your best foot forward. Visit mdburnsnash.com slash pitch deck for more information. That's mdburnsnash.com slash pitch deck for more information. All right, let's do this. We're going live in five, four, three, Good morning and welcome back to The Incubator. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Today is going to be a fun conversation. New book coming out this fall that I think is going to be probably going to become the Bible for all startup founders. Uh, I'm looking forward to get into it. I'm joined this morning by Howard Love. He is a lifelong entrepreneur and angel investor. Howard, welcome to the show. Todd, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to the conversation. Well, the pleasure is mine. Thanks for carving out time to join me with the 3,000 companies you've started and all the things that you're doing. I appreciate you carving out a few minutes to join me. you got a big book coming out. Lots of exciting things happening around that launch, so I do appreciate the time. Howard, before we get into a discussion around the upcoming book, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background and what you're out there up to. Yeah. You know, my background is as an entrepreneur and angel investor. And, you know, I I have the uh, dubious claim to fame that I've never really had a real job, but I've started about 15 companies and and invested in another another sort of 50 or 60. And, you know, I originally started as an entrepreneur back at where I was going to college, Colgate, where a partner of mine started, you know, I started to apply the computer programming. He was a programmer and we just decided to start a company to apply computer programming principles to the stock market. And we started that company. And then after Colgate, we we morphed it into something else. And I've just been starting companies ever since. And so it's it's been a fun adventure. Well, that sounds like a pretty cool adventure. Uh, so, uh, but all of that... Through all that experience, uh, you have accumulated knowledge and experience and and what works and what doesn't. And I guess that's what's resulted in the new book called The Startup J-Curve, Six Steps to Entrepreneurial Success. So let me ask this question. Howard, if, if I go to Amazon and I search, how do I run a startup? How do I do a startup successfully? There's probably a million books that I could find that would have something, some knowledge to impart to me into how to how to do my startup. Why did the world need Howard Loves? What's different about yours? What is what's unique about your book that I ought to I ought to be considering that one? Well, great question. And there are some great books out there. And you know, if someone's going to be an entrepreneur, my advice to them would be 
know, read everything you can get your hands on because, you know, any knowledge is good knowledge. And the truth is startup journey is uh, very tough. And so if you can, if you can save yourself a couple of trip ups along the way by reading all the better. What I didn't, you know, see out there, and by the way, I did actually look around quite a bit to see if there was anything like what I was thinking about writing before actually putting pen to paper. But what I didn't see, Todd, is I didn't see two things. Number one, I, the, I didn't see anything that had the entire roadmap from sort of start to finish. And number one, and number two, there's a particular part of that roadmap, which is the tough part, and we'll get to that in a second, where there w- w- was a thorough discussion about the pitfalls about the particularly the early stages of of what I call a J curve. And, you know, you know, after having done this for, you know, as I say, 30 plus years and, y- you know, making just about every mistake you could make and paying, you know, quite a bit of money for, <laughs> for those mistakes, you know, I figured it would be just great to share that experience with entrepreneurs and try and give them the kind of perspective on the journey that would be super useful. The, the, the startup J-curve, it really tries to tell them where they are, what to do, and also where they're going. And by doing that, I think it gives entrepreneurs who might otherwise lack perspective the confidence to deal with the, with the challenges that happen along the path. So, you know, a favorite saying of mine is that the price of education goes up substantially after college. I certainly paid quite dearly for that. And uh, the readers get to get it for under 30 bucks, which is which is possibly the greatest angel investment uh, you could ever make. <laughs> well, I appreciate you making the comment earlier about, yeah, read all these books. Uh, I, that's been a lifelong advocacy of mine that most people, they never read after they graduate from college or even high school. It's, it's pathetic. So I appreciate you sharing that important message. All right. So what actually is the J-curve? Yeah, so the J-curve, you know, you know, and I'll touch upon just briefly the sort of genesis of the J-curve was, was um my venture partner, David Heeman, who's just a phenomenal individual and lucky to have him as a partner for the last 20 years. And we have done most of our angel investments have been collaborative and together. Um, and we were talking uh, just, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago about how, you know, how it always seems that the original business plan never seems to work. It doesn't mean the startup isn't ultimately going to work, but the original business plan rarely works. And then we started saying, yeah, you know, why is that? And then we started going through all the examples that we had had of startups that we'd invested in. And then we started looking at, you know, just other well-known startups that that we, you know, didn't necessarily have an investment in, but knew the story. And it, and it sort of had this epiphany moment that actually most startups just go through this kind of, you know, windy path where it's never a linear line from, you know, where you start at zero and sort of go up into the right. Instead, you sort of start, you know, with great optimism and enthusiasm. And then invariably, the first few steps, which which can often take, uh, you know, two, three, four years or longer, are really, really tough. And that's where you really try and figure out the business. And then, and then uh, if, you're success- if you're successful, you come out the other side. I'll give you a few examples for, you know, Pinterest, for example, started as Tote, which was an e-commerce enabling app where users could track their favorite retailers. Groupon originally started as a socially responsible 
fundraising site called The Point. Twitter began as Odeo, a podcast service that they realized was doomed when Apple released iTunes. And, and the list kind of goes on and on and on. And then we had a gathering of CEOs where we take, you know, our the CEOs where we have the largest investment in and we get together once a year. And I I put this together as a talk and gave it to the CEOs and and you know, about halfway through the talk, people were started taking pictures of slides and everything. And I said, Well, you know, maybe we got something here. And <laughs> so then I just started filling it out more and more and eventually decided to write a book. To your question, the, the, the six phases are, you know, phase one is the create phase. And the create phase is where, you know, you're coming up with the idea, you're putting together the team, you're figuring out the right corporate structure, and you, typically you're, you're raising some money. So in that, fa- you know, in that phase, there are very specific things to do. And, you know, in the book, I, 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 I throw out a, a lot of important things to think about. For example, you know, with a team, it turns out that two founders are, are, are usually quite a bit better and more successful than one, which is just kind of an interesting point. And I go into that corporate structure, for example, I think a lot of people default to a C-corp, but that's not, you know, always the best thing to do. They're S-corps and, you know, and LLCs and so forth that for certain um, circumstances might be better. So, you know, we kind of get into it there. Then after you create, you go through this create phase where you come up with a product idea and you and you begin to build it and you get your funding and your team. You have the release phase. Uh, the release phase is where, you know, you just got to get the thing out there. And, you know, it turns out that's hard and surprise, almost every release takes longer than expected. And, you know, and I go through lots of you know, lots of pitfalls that you're likely to run into and how to, how to, you know, get over those challenges. And then comes the third phase, which is, you know, which is in many ways the most important. And that's a phase I call the morph phase. And that's when you realize that the original idea really didn't, you know, isn't working and you need to do something about it. And, you know, as I say, the vast majority of startups will go through this phase and they'll morph not just once, uh, you know, Todd, but quite often they'll morph two, three, four, five times. And I've had companies that have morphed quite a few more times than that and ended up to be quite successful. And, you know, we could talk about that more later, but that morph phase is really critical. It's sometimes, you know, it's easy to confuse it with the term pivot, which is, you know, in my view, a bit of an overused word out there. But there's specific reasons I call it a morph um, because it usually you really need to make some radical change. After morph is the model phase. And the model phase is where you figure out the business model. Like, you know, how are we going to make money at this? And, you know, there's lots of specific things to do there and things to watch out for. And then once you have the model and not never before you have the model, it's time to start scaling. So the scale scaling is the fifth phase. And, and, you know, the big secret there is, you know, the big, imperative there is do not never scale before you nail the business model and scaling takes money people in process and you know we go through and we get into that and then after scale you have what i call harvest and harvest is really the most fun phase in, in many ways because that's where you kind of hit cash flow nirvana you know you're established you're you're working to you know to to, to expand your brand and and because you have you know money and you know and cash flow and and market position and size 
there's just all sorts of, you know, kind of fun things to do, which is acquisitions and investing in new product ideas and, and you know, figuring out whether you want to pay dividends or, you know, or go public or, 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 or perhaps even sell the business. So those are the six phases of the J-curve. Well, as you said, the harvest is the fun phase, it sounds like so. Uh-oh. All right. Well, there are the six steps to entrepreneurial success. So Howard Love and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This is Wes Moss, former host of Atlanta Tech Edge on NBC in Atlanta. I'm here today, though, to talk to you about my new digital financial advisory firm, Wella. Wella is an old English word that means wealth. Several years ago, my team realized there were too many people who needed help with their financial strategy, but couldn't get the help they needed because they didn't reach the high investment minimums of many financial advisory firms. To answer this need, we developed Wella, a digital platform that allows us to help people just like you get free financial advice and tools to better manage their finances. We also offer online investing and the ability to work with your own investment advisor with no minimums. Learn more at yourwella.com. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A.com. All right. I am back with Howard Love, lifelong entrepreneur, angel investor, and the author of an upcoming new book called The Startup J-Curve, Six Steps to Entrepreneurial Success. All right. So, Howard, after uh, you ran us through the six steps, I only have about three dozen questions I want to ask, and I'll figure out where I want to go next. But the, I think what I'm really interested in is this idea that I think there's this sex appeal to, to every startup founder or founders thinking that their journey is is unique and that no other startup has done it or gone through the same things they've gone through. They think every story is different. And sure, there are a few outliers here and there that do have a very unique story to tell. But I think the point you're trying to make here is that there really is a common path that most startups do follow. And that's the point. You don't have to guess at this. You don't have to be blindsided by some event because there really is a way this thing typically unfolds, right? And the more you understand that, the more you're prepared for some of these little setbacks. And that's what will save, because most startups don't make it. And the reason is they're not prepared. The J, yes. the J curve changes all that, right? So there really is kind of a common path, right? That, you know, there absolutely is. And, and, and look, like I said, you know, after founding, co-founding 15 companies and being there literally every step of the way and, you know, investing another 50 or 60, you know, I can tell you after 30 plus years, there's definitely a path. I can tell you that everyone who's who's seen advanced copies of the book, you know, so far, even experienced entrepreneurs, you know, the, the first thing they say is, good God, I wish I would have had this book, you know, mm. X, X years ago. Because there is, and and you know, I do think Todd, a lot of the failures are in many ways avoidable. I mean, obviously, startups are risky business. You know, a, a large percentage of startups are always going to fail, and that's just kind of you know goes with the territory. But I would argue that many do not have to fail. You know, many many that do fail don't have to. And I think you're absolutely right. You know, you touched upon a really important point, which is. You know, everyone comes in with, you know, uh, you know, just absolutely unbridled optimism. And that's great. I mean, it's great to have that energy in the beginning. And it's great, frankly, to have that naivete. And I talk about the advantages of being, frankly, naive. It turns out there's there's quite substantial advantages for a while. 
But of course, there's a time when that starts to really work against you. When you start to get, you know, if you go in and you think that that your path is going to be linear and up and to the right, when you start hitting these absolutely inevitable bumps and challenges, which, you know, again, I'm arguing are, are, are entirely common and normal. You know, if you don't see them coming, it's, it's rough. It's extraordinarily rough. The investors aren't expecting it. The CEO, the founders are not expecting it. The employees are not expecting it. And it hits them like a ton of bricks. And, and, and it just take, you know, can take the wind out of it. And, you know, I, I, I talk a lot about that and how to, you know, prepare everyone and how, you know, the truth of the matter is, and this is, you know, going to be hard for, for many to accept, but the truth of the matter is your original idea is probably not going to be what gets you to nirvana. It's the original idea is a hypothesis. And that's, you know, and if you embrace that, then great. And if you embrace the fact that you're going to move off that hypothesis and you're going to move on to other things great and that and the book just will take you you know right through there and the sooner and the sooner the better but you know boy if you dig in and if you think you're you know you're you're you know super duper special and everything you know it's uh it's not pretty it is not. Now, interesting question I want to ask. If you if you and I were face to face and you slid across the table six index cards, each one saying create, release, morph, model, scaling, harvest, and said, Todd, put these in the order that you think they should be. I'm I would think that I would have had model much higher up on the list. I would think, well, I gotta have the business model down right. I think the guys who I'm pitching to who are gonna invest are gonna understand the model and 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 understand how they're gonna ultimately get get money back. But for you it's fourth. And that surprised me. So walk me through why. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting you mentioned that. And it and it is very counterintuitive. And yes, the money guys are probably going to want, not probably, they're, they're, they're certainly almost all the time going to want to hear your, you know, what the business model is. But I'll tell you why it's so important to have it fourth and not third or second or first and definitely not after scale. And this touches upon a larger issue, which is the J curve has six steps. You do them sequentially. You almost never take them out of order. And if you take them out of order, it's at your own peril. So let me let me let me let me get to your specific instance, which is you know I would totally agree. I think most people would say that it's a little upside down. If you don't, you know, so you start with your business. I you know create, which you know is a business plan or whatever. It's your original. I would say your original hypothesis. Then you go through release, and in the release, you know, the most common thing that happens in your release phase is guess what? It lands with a thud. Nobody cares. It rarely works, as expected, much to the chagrin of everyone involved. And then you go through, as I say, probably the most important phase, which is the more phase, where you're really trying to figure out, Todd, what this business is, or how can we make a business, or you know, what single, you know, what feature or functionality do customers actually care about? And that takes, as I say, usually you've got to morph more than once, you know, two or three, four times more, whatever it is. The truth is you got to morph until you get what I call significant customer traction. If you don't have significant customer traction, you don't have a business. 
and and you know Paul Graham sums it up you know pretty pretty much perfectly and succinctly, which is you know in the end you got to build some you know you got to build a product people love. If you don't have a product people love, it's just going to be virtually you know very very hard, if not impossible, to, to to make a business. And so my point is, before you go through that more phase where you're figuring out what your product is and you're figuring out you know who your customers are then it, it, it's a little bit irrelevant, if not a burden, to think you have to have the model figured out along with that or that you have to conform to a certain model. I mean, I don't frankly even want folks thinking about the model. Forget the model. The point is, if you get m- massive customer traction and if you build, as Paul Graham says, you know, so a product, you know, something that people love, trust me, you're going to make money, you know, 95% of the time. I, I, I've only really seen one company, and there's very, very few. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's very, very rare where you hit upon the right business, you get upon the right product, you, you get the massive customer traction that you're looking for, and you somehow can't figure out how to make money off it. It's very, very rare. So the model just doesn't worry me ultimately. You know, until you get to the model phase and then you yeah, absolutely you got to figure it out. And but to try and figure it out before you know what the product is and, you know, what the business is, if you will, it's a bit of a waste of time and it, and it can be a real hindrance. So, you know, that's my take on it. Now, are the money guys going to want to <laughs> hear a story about the model? Uh, sure. And by all means, you should have a, a general you know, proposed model, I would call it a hypothesis about, you know, hey, is there some way to make money off this and what might it be, you know, by all means, I, and talk about that. But, you know, uh, you know, also probably makes sense to say, you know, we'll know more once we once we nail the product. Well, I suspect the model will morph too, right? I mean, I, I think, Absolutely. I, as you said, the morph phase is the most important phase, and, and we could talk for two hours about that alone. That I, I think, and now that I hear you, and thank you, by the way, for explaining that, because it makes a heck of a lot of sense. In fact, it's making me completely rethink startups and, 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 and their storyline. And, and now when I hear you describe that, I think of some of the success stories and I recognize the fact that's exactly what they did. And that's, you know, and that's why. And then there were some that achieved a success point and they sh- and, and where there was hope that they should grow. And many have. There's great stories about where they, they achieved uh, market viability. And then they, they continued to hone the model and got even bigger and better. And then there are some who hit that success point and did not hone the model as effectively as they could have and and they've either they've either tanked or or stable i mean they just kind of hit a level it's it's fascinating now that i hear you explain all that and how you can apply the six steps to to those some of these success stories and some of those stories that could have been more successful anyway fascinating stuff so let's talk about more if i i guess one of the ways i want to think about it and tell me if i'm off is i think this is where this is where most people are blinded and killed by failure. It is fear of failure. And because when they get to this point where they create the hypothesis and they release it and they get, they don't, they doesn't, they don't become billionaires instantly. They have to go through this morph phase. And you just said that could be multiple steps. I think where most people fail is that they're not willing to morph. They're not willing to pivot using the modern hip parlance, but they also do it poorly. I mean, that, that, is that where most of this failure comes from? 
Well, actually, I, th- I think you touched on a number of, 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 of the issues that are, are in, in and by themselves independent issues. I mean, th- the first reality that, that you know, sort of, as I say, hits like a ton of bricks is, gee, we thought we were going to build this amazing product. We thought that people were going to build a path, you know, beat a path to our door. Whoops, you know, I, all I hear is crickets. There, there's nothing going on. We just can't seem to, to sell this thing, can't seem to get interest, can't seem to, you know, get get the feedback we need and everything else. And and if you, you know, if you read the book, you'd say, okay, well, that's what everyone, do. you know, that happens to everyone. Now let's, now let's deal with it. And, 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 and there are lots of ways to deal with it and, and specific ways to deal with it. But if you, if you are not expecting it, you can imagine how incredibly deflating it is, you know, and the investors start throwing up their hands and, 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 you know, the employees start leaving and, you know, are questioning and, and, you know, tempers are getting short and, you know, it's a very, very rough time. And by the way, that's, <laughs> this is why the J curve, rather than a straight linear line up to the right, it dips down. And that dip of the J represents the tough time. And that's when literally values of startups typically actually go down during that period. And so, yeah, they, step number one is you need to embrace the fact that it's not working. And, you know, what saves you in that is what I call, and, you know, we can talk about this more later, but, you know, I, I spend a fair amount of time in the book talking about failure and being specific about how to deal with failure because the truth is and this is not you know obvious is that as you know a startup founder you need to embrace failure okay so there's two kinds of failure there's failure of the enterprise which is to be avoided at all costs but paradoxically the way you avoid failure of the enterprise is you embrace the failures that happen you know, day to day. So product isn't working, bam, you know, you need intellectual honesty. Hey guys, gals, it ain't working. Uh, Now what are we going to do? And there's very specific things you can do. You know, a a team member isn't working out. Okay. Failure. Let's deal with it. Right. Uh, Big hugs. You know, we, 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 we need to replace that team member. And so there's this sort of endless, you know, I say that failures are like a river. They just keep coming at you in a startup. And if you can't deal with failures, you are not going to be too good at being a startup founder. So the the trick to getting through Morph is, number one, intellectual honesty. Whoops, it's not working. Number two, okay, let's deal with it. And then from a practical, tactical level, the the first thing you do is you, 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 you need to get market feedback. And you need to see what... There's, there's almost always, Todd, something about that product that actually people are interested in and that they are and that they will use or that they, you know, there's there's almost always some glimmer of hope. And the trick is to realize what's not working and chuck it and then embrace those tiny slivers which may be working and say, well, how can we take that tiny sliver and make it into the product? You know how can we how can we mine that little vein of gold and and turn it into the real deal, and that's ultimately what what gets you through morph, and what I call that dip of the J curve, which is which I affectionately refer to as the valley of death or the or the long cold winter, <laughs> which which you know by the way it can take a lot of time. I mean it could be six months. It can easily be four or five years. So you know. 
Well, none of us like to fail. None of us like to have setbacks. None of us like to make mistakes. And, and you, you want to avoid them. What, what I, I think the value that, quote, failure in the context we're talking about it here is that it does weed out the chaff, right? It does remove the people from the environment who shouldn't be playing in that sandbox because if they can't handle that, if they don't embrace failure, well, then they're not going to make it. And, and it's going to be a miserable existence for them. But there still seems to me still too far too many people who are afraid of it and dread it and and look at it as a as a as a personal testament to their inability to succeed here. That's a huge problem, by the way. And you're you're absolutely right. And I touch on that in the book. The truth the truth of the matter is, you know, we're you know, particularly in the good old US of A, we're Americans. We we you know the whole culture is built on this sort of uh, you know winning mentality. And, you know, we, we all remember, well, <laughs> some of us who were around at the time, remember, you know, the ABC Worldwide of Sports and there's that guy, you know, and, and, and they do that opening sequence and it's the, you know, the agony of defeat. And there's that poor guy tumbling off the ski jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're taught from a young age, you know, failure is not too good. And, uh, you know, everyone needs to be a winner. And, and that is a, you know, frankly, you, you just kind of got to get over that because what you realize is, you know, if you do startups long enough, the only way you're going to succeed is if you embrace, you know, the fact that things are failing right and left. And and, and, and by the way, it's not you don't embrace it just to sort of wallow and say, geez, we really screwed up here. No, no, no. You embrace it so you can chuck it and move on. You embrace it so you can immediately address it, immediately fix it and then move on. And it's this, you know, the ultimate failure is the failure to is the failure to realize that something isn't working. Because at that point, you're digging in. At that point, you're just torching investor money and, frankly, everyone's time. And, and it's just, it's not going to work. And if it's not working, just just call it. And, and I don't mean call the enterprise. Again, you know, the enterprise is to be saved at all costs, right? You go to the mat, you never let the enterprise fail, you know, and I, until you have to let the enterprise fail. And I, and I talk about that too, but, but the, the, the only failure to be avoided at all costs is failure of the enterprise, the day-to-day failures, the product failures, the team failures, the market failures, the marketing failures, all those just deal with it, you know, embrace it. Hey guys, it ain't working. Let's deal with it. What are we going to do? See, see, the point I want to make is that I I don't think we should call those failures. That is just simply part of the process. What we said at the top of the show was there is a very common path that most startups follow. And as you call it, it's the J-curve. And that includes that valley of death. It is just part of the process. And frankly, uh, you can almost say if you don't go through that, there's probably other steps you're missing here. (laughs) Because because if, if you're not taking enough risk and trying something big enough, and bold enough, hey, then you can question the validity of what you're trying to do and your hypothesis may be too simple and too weak and too limited. Uh, you know, so I, I... Very true. I'm not saying you should strive for failure. I mean, none of us are, are trying are, are saying that, I, I think. Uh, but I also think what we ought to re- repurpose that as be big and be bold and try some interesting things, test some hypotheses, some will work, some won't, but you're also going to learn something that then you can then morph into something magical. That's absolutely, absolutely right. And uh, you actually touched on something really interesting that is a fascinating phenomena with, with startups and, you know, angel investments and the like. 
which is, and and this is this is a really tough one to for you know, <laughs> this is a really tough one for investors to get their, their their arms around, you know. But it's definitely worth mentioning because you know what you just said is if is if you're not taking enough risk, you know, may, maybe it's not a risk worth taking. Interestingly, it's usually and all sort of seasoned angel investors will tell you this. It's usually the wacky ideas that produce the greatest returns. I, it really is. And that's just a reality. And, and if it's not a wacky idea and it's sort of really easy to understand and it's, uh, you know, seems like a no brainer and, you know, my God, David, my venture partner, David and I, we've, we've been in those situations all the time. We're like, oh my God, we're not going to lose on this deal. Oh, but this is perfect. This is what, what the fat pitch we've been waiting for and everything else. You know what? Those actually do not have a good track record. The big wins are ones where we take real risk and frankly, <laughs> we're not exactly sure if it's going to work out or not, but for whatever reason, we decide to pull the trigger. All right. Well, gosh, Howard, uh, I still need hours of your time to di- continue to dive in to all of this amazing stuff. Uh, sadly, we're out of time for today's episode. Uh, I think we'll have to have you back and continue. We haven't even talked about scaling and harvesting. Gosh, that that those are episodes in, in and of themselves. So before I let you go, uh, should anyone have any questions about anything you're involved in? Uh, how can they contact you and where can they uh, place an order to get a copy of the start? up J curve. Yeah, you can go to howardlove.com and we you know got more information describing the book and we've got some fantastic uh, bundles out there where if you if you buy we send you the first chapter and send you a what I call the perfect pitch deck which is a uh, sort of an optimized uh, pitch deck for raising money and we've got you know coupons to hotel tonight which is a phenomenal uh, company that uh, you know I'm involved with and you know lots of other really cool bundles so howardlove.com will get you there and todd thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you i've enjoyed it and um look forward to chatting soon Uh, i'm sure we'll be talking again uh, and that book is also available to pre-order on amazon so howard love lifelong entrepreneur angel investor and the author of the upcoming book called the startup j curve six steps to entrepreneurial success howard once again great to have you thanks for stopping by thanks again todd All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Howard Love, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on The Incubator.